Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 29, the Paolo de Shigli episode. And I think we mentioned him a few months back on number 11. So now as number 29, the legendary DJ Paulino gets double, double dimension. So good for him. Who knows if he's still playing? I don't know. I think he was in South Florida last time I checked, so... If you've got any Paulo de Shagley uplates, please let us know. Obviously, we're coming to you guys in a very pleasant mood, which the last few weeks might be a change for the better. So let me first bring in the uh, other two guys as we are chuckless again this week as he works on his tan down in Mexico. We've got Sam Lopresti. Hello, Sam. How's it going, Danny? Does anybody remember when Paolo De Celia ended up like an 80 or an 81 in FIFA? I think it was yes. like FIFA 12. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, was, that was when I would get FIFA every year and it'd be like, oh, all right. <laughs> he's going to progress think- up to the mid-80s and he's going to be the left back of the future. That was that was also, I think, the same year that Manolo Gabbiadini, once he got backed from loan, would end yes. up exploding up to like a 92. The good old days when we relied on the young Italian youth of FIFA to <laughs> to give us the most hope. And we've got Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here as always. I'm just, I was just wondering, like, we're pretty soon going to run out of numbers, right? Like, we're right, right there. We have, like, maybe we, five or ten more tops, and that's it. We hit the 30s, and then it's a lot of Primavera players of years past that got one or two appearances, and then we never heard from them again, so... The 30s, the 30s, and then especially the 40s. This bit, this bit might be on, uh, on, on its last, on its last few legs here. The running, the running gag, the running gag is running out of fuel here. Once we hit, once we hit, you know, up mid upper 40s, it's like, well, you know, you heard of them once. You got a random appearance against a relegation, a team that got relegated two weeks later. So, yeah. But, anyways, obviously a. Uh, as you can tell, a very happy, and jovial group we are today after Juventus 24 hours earlier recorded, I would say, their best win of the season. Not only a convincing win over Barcelona, but a win where they needed to score a certain number of goals, win by a certain margin, and they did both and then some. So I will throw it to Sergio first. How surprised were you by this, knowing what we've been seeing? And how much are you wishing that Juventus can just bottle this up for the next few weeks and finish out the year 2020 on a, on a high note? I was, I was legitimately surprised, especially because we, we had seen flashes. We had seen a couple of good spells here and there, but we hadn't really seen a, a complete performance like that in, in a while. And and like we've said a number of times, you know, a bunch of factors, you know, reasons why they haven't really played like that. But, but this is really good. Like, if you take the last 20 minutes of the Torino game and, and the whole Barcelona game, this is probably the best this team has looked all year. So to, to see them have this type of performance exactly when they needed it the most, I think it was, it was huge. And in, in, the, in the grab back for the Barcelona game, I mentioned that paradoxically their biggest game now is the next one because I'm going to be really interested to see if they can actually like you said you know bottle these and and keep going because it a performance like this of course is great of course we're all really happy to see it but it doesn't really you know 
move the needle that much if you can't if you can't build on it if you can't keep having this type of performances so i was really happy with what we saw on on tuesday but i'm going to be really really interested if they can replicate that against another team with you know blue and red colors so you know maybe they can kind of like keep it going just just by sheer recognition on the on the next game but but yeah overall really really happy with what they did yesterday for sure it's going to be really key to see how this carries through you know between the big late win against torino that always seems to freaking happen i remember saying to a friend of mine who does not support juve i i i sent her a message and was like yeah we did it to torino again it was just that that's what but yeah this this game i was just so not like i like i started my recap with you know raise your hand if you expected this no you put your hand down uh i i for the record my hand was not raised yeah (laughs) and you know now to go into this next game against genoa which has kind of you know this has been the kind of game that has trapped juve as they have started this adventure under pirlo the you know lower on the table the team that you expect to beat you know genoa has you know Genoa's in 19th right now. You know, this might be the year, you know, they've been threatening to get themselves relegated for what seems like a decade. This year might be the year they finally get it. And, and at the Marassi, which I know I say this all the freaking time, but God damn it, that stadium is hell for us. You know, yes, there aren't going to be fans there, but there's something about that place that sucks the mojo out of this team, you know, on a regular basis. So it's, I I'm really, really looking forward to it, especially since as, as happy as I was about this performance, there were still points to improve on that. You could see, you know, the way that the way that Juventus, you know, dealt fairly well with most of Barcelona's attacks, but then couldn't actually pass their way out of their own half and attack and and attack themselves they gave the ball away in their own half a lot while they were defending the passing was was really poor i think a better team than barcelona would have probably punished them on some of those like there's that one moment where danilo just kicked a free kick right at a barcelona player and triggered a counterattack, like with only about a third with only about a quarter of the field left to go you know, things like that need to be eliminated from the game if you're going to, you know, take the next step when you're, when you're facing knockout round teams and the better teams in Serie A. But still, this, for, for, from a mental standpoint, this is insane for the team. From, you know, from a tactical standpoint, also from a tactical standpoint, this was a game where... Pirlo went in with a plan and the team executed it to a T and you know, whether or not to kind of let Barcelona play and roll on the counterattack after they went up two nil was a plan was pre-planned or just Pirlo kind of rolling with the punches and seeing where the game was going. I, I can't tell, but you know, that that's to me a huge deal as well to see that the team is starting to see where Pirlo's plan is and take it and 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 execute it and execute it well. So I yeah, like you said Serge, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens against Genoa on Sunday 
because if they keep going like this, a lot of teams in Serie A are going to start going, oh, no. I think that part you mentioned about just emotionally what this means for the club, I think that's, that's huge. And, and I'll recognize I'm, I'm a bit of a sucker for the narrative and for the you know, esoteric things about, like, is this guy happy? Is this why he's performing well and, and whatnot? But there was a moment Tuesday when Juventus seemed to score the fourth goal, which was later called back on by offsides, which was the right call, by the way. But when at first, as the goal stood and, and the team was celebrating, you actually saw Andrea Pirlo go to the team and actually celebrate with the team and the whole, you know, big, massive group hawk. And, and that was, that to me was interesting because number one, as we all know, he's not, a, you know, the most, you know, the, the type of guy that will really express his emotions all that much. He's kind Pirlo of like is not stoic. impressed. Yeah, I mean, Pirlo is not impressed. Like, he's a pretty stoic dude. So, so for him to actually go and celebrate with the whole team and, and, and do that whole thing, I, I thought just for, for the team, for his club, he knows he's going to, you know, the eyes of Italy and in some part of, you know, of the world because he has Cristiano Ronaldo on his team are on him. A new coach, first-time coach, you know, having this type of team, he knows he's under massive pressure. And you could tell this win meant a lot for him as a coach and I think meant a lot for the team that they know that they have to play better they know that they can play better and they have to perform better and and this is one of those wins that you know definitely I think in my opinion just from an emotional standpoint from a momentum standpoint from a locker room standpoint I think can really make the the difference you know moving forward uh, for for the season and, and for Andrea Pirlo as, as a coach yeah I mean the pressure was on Pirlo to get this thing turned around. And, you know, we, we talked about it last week where, you know, the, the headlines in Italy are what they have been and, and all that. But, you know, you could kind of, as, as you mentioned, with him celebrating that fourth goal that, that came back, you could see that pressure coming off. And, I mean, he was smiling in his press conference. We don't see Pirlo smile regardless of if, you know, Juve is just, you know, one – one nothing or seven nothing, whatever. So you know you could sense that you know he you know he was looking at you know there we get a lot of pictures of you know the press conferences and you know you could see the bags kind of under Pirlo's eyes a little bit more than they were in August and September and and all that. But I mean just to see just to see him kind of you know finally be like okay this is this is division this is division coming forward and actually you know, coming to fruition, I think that was the biggest thing. And like we said, now now the key is to, you know, not expect a performance like this going forward every game because that's just not possible with what the schedule is. But just kind of some some semblance, I think, of it will be will be key these next couple of weeks because, you know, you look at the schedule, uh, you know, it, it's Genoa, sure, but then Atalanta, they look pretty good against Ajax. So these next couple of weeks before Christmas are, are huge. And then, obviously, like we mentioned last week, the the January schedule is going to be just as just as crucial, if not more so, knowing who's who's lying in wait come the new year. I think this also really kind of dispels the you know a, a week or so ago, Corriere della Sera had that report that that the team didn't understand Pirlo, that Pirlo wasn't communicating his his ideas and his tactics well to the team, and and that you know. I think that this really this game really dispelled that one because 
I think if that was the case and there was starting to be come some sort of a strain between the players and, and the coach, I don't think Pirlo would have joined that scrum in the first place on that fourth goal. But, and also like, you know, like I said, they knew exactly what they were doing in this game. Like every guy that stepped on that field knew what his job was and how to, and what he needed to do to execute. And it all worked. So I, I really think that those, those reports are kind of out the window at this point, at least in my eyes. And, and that's the thing, right? I mean, those reports, those anonymous sources and whatnot, like they start popping up whenever you don't get results, right? Like whenever the, whenever the, the results are there, yeah, turns out there's not that many anonymous sources, right? So I think if, if they can keep performing this way, you know, it, we haven't even talked about how, how huge it is to actually be first in the group and avoid all the, you know, all the massive guys like Bayern Munich, like Liverpool, like, I mean, all those favorite, favorite teams. I think they, you know, with this, they have a pretty good chance now to advance to the quarterfinals and then, you know, just talking Champions League exclusively, actually have a good performance, a good tournament, something that we haven't really seen now, if you really think about it in a couple of years with the, the last Allegri year, it was a letdown against Ajax. And then the last year, letdown against Leon. Like, we haven't really had a run, like a proper good run in the Champions League. And, and being first in the group is huge to get through that round of 16. And then, you know, who knows? But I think the, the emotionally in the locker room, this is going to be huge. You know, for the competition itself, is going to be huge. And, you know, say what you will about this is the world's Barcelona in years and all of that, but you don't go in Barcelona in Camp Nou and beat that team by three goals in such a honestly pretty dominating fashion that often. So regardless of the circumstances, I mean, that, that's a huge game. And I, I, I want to believe that this will be kind of like that turning point for the season. Just looking at the, at the draw now, you know, getting to that, getting that that win the way we did and flipping the tiebreaker, we go from the possibility of having Bayern Munich, Manchester City, Liverpool, PSG as potential opponents to only having five, period, because we can't play Atalanta and Lazio, you can't play Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Porto, Sevilla, Leipzig. Those are the five potential opponents that Juve are looking at. Which those the are only good one that, teams, but they're, yeah, they're good. Juventus will probably be favored, right, against all of them. I would assume. I would say. I would say Outside we would probably be Atletico. I mean, I was going to say, yeah, Atleti would be. Atleti might be a bit more of a toss-up, but beyond that, yeah, beyond that, I think we we would definitely be favored in front of any other team that we play in that. That's true. Uh, Atletico's is uh, Atletico's playing really well right now in the league play, but in yeah. Champions League they, they haven't looked all that great. So I mean, who knows? But well, but I mean, they also played Bayern Munich twice. Well, that that always that that'll that'll true. end. <laughs> that, that'll make that'll make a, a lot a better teams look worse. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that like like you said, Sergio, and you know, we we I I I've been I've. I know I've been quoted as saying that winning the group doesn't matter as much this year uh, or nowadays, 
this year it does. This year, I, I don't know why, but the way things shook out, winning the group has is going to have a really palpable effect on uh, on Juve's Champions League future this season. And I think it's going to be a... I, I think that if we go, you know, if we make a little bit of a run, this is going to be part of the reason why. Oh, and there's one very clear-cut favorite in Bayern, and then Liverpool is not so far behind when, I mean, they're not going to be totally healthy because they've got so many long-term injuries, it feels like, but when they get healthier and and they get players back from virus stuff, you know, they're obviously very, very good. But yeah, I mean, it, it's very much a case this year where finishing atop the group was important just because you don't run the risk of getting one of those two right off the bat. I mean, I've been saying it for pretty much the entire season. This season is so much week, so much of a week-to-week thing with how this team has performed. So who knows what, what it's going to be like in late February when the round of 16 comes around. But to miss those two right off the bat, it's, uh, it's a big sigh of relief. And I think, Sergio, you said it in your grab bag. Hey, maybe something weird happens. You know, maybe 2021 becomes an extension of 2020 in terms of all the wacky results and everything. So maybe... Juventus avoids and only in terms of that. Yeah. And only, only in terms only. of that. Knock, I'm going <laughs> to knock, knock on my kitchen table here and hope that it stays that way. But hopefully, you know, maybe, maybe Juve don't see any of them if, if Pirlo is able to really get this thing going and, and they can make a run in the Champions League. So want to switch things up a little bit. Obviously, we talked about consistency, but the, the main, you know, this, this wasn't a game where, say, Cristiano Ronaldo, like, Atleti, where he put the team on his back and led them to win. He scored two penalty kicks, and and I think we feel pretty safe in saying that if you want a guy to take crucial PKs, he's he's the guy to do it. But Weston McKinney, and we've got some Twitter questions about Weston McKinney, so we won't talk too much about him. But Weston McKinney's role on this team is ever-evolving, and how nice is it to have the greatest goalkeeper to ever play as your backup goalkeeper? Pretty pretty good, oh, huh? He, he, he played like he was 25 years old yesterday. That was so great to watch. And it, it really is just, you know, it, it, there's no way that he can do it day in and day out anymore. He's, his body just isn't going to let him do that. I was actually really glad. Like, I was glad to see that he was, you know, training and potentially in the running just because, you know, after what happened on on Saturday – Goodness knows what would have might have happened if something had happened to Chesney and Buffon was on Sunday and Buffon wasn't there because Pizzolio is going to be suspended. Looking, looking at the 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 Franco Israel. Yeah, exactly. But but Gigi, uh, I mean, what what can you say about Gigi that hasn't been said hundreds and hundreds of times before? He he. Uh, uh, but I think the best thing, and Danny, I know you're going to. I, maybe I don't want to say this because I know you want to say this, but listening to his, listening to his voice just boom out over the entire it, stadium. It's, I've been saying it ever since they came back in the summer. Hearing Buffon in an empty stadium is one of the few bright spots of having empty stadiums, because yeah, you, know, we, you mentioned it in in your recap, Sam Sergio. You mentioned it in your grab bag, and I mean, I was thinking it the whole way. You know, seeing his reaction after a save is one thing, but being able to hear it too, 
that's <laughs> i yeah. mean it, it's just great because you, he's just got such a distinctive voice i mean it's it's the opposite octave of carlo pensolio where we've got high pitched and then completely baritone you know you combine those two and i mean it's no wonder that they're two peas in a pod but it's just yeah it, it, it's i mean i'm i'm the ultimate buffon fanboy but at the same time just to see him have success on that stage again is it's I mean, it's such a luxury to have him around again. I mean, that's, it's just, who, who knows, who knows, you know, who, I mean, we, we talk, it, it's, it's everything with him. I mean, it's, it's the, the organizing of the defense, it's the saves, it's the oh, emotion, yeah. it's the personality. And that's his best, that's one of his best traits as a, that, that's what I think separates him from so many other of the great goalkeepers in the, in the, in the history of the world. And especially when you really look at the, the head to head of Buffon versus Casillas that, that consumed the, the, the the majority of the 21st century when it came to you know who were the two best goalkeepers of the time you know Buffon the way he organizes and marshals a defense and just the way he kind of connects with with the guys in front of him I mean you saw that one there there was another you know one of those moments uh yesterday he stopped one of Messi's shots and he and Bonucci had a little headbutt yep and You know, kind of. You know, it reminded me a lot of that moment in uh, uh, against Tottenham when yeah. he he that, made that exact, save, and he and, exactly him and Chiellini just screamed at each other. That's or no, Chiellini made sorry, Chiellini made a block, yeah. and like he and he and Chiellini were like grabbing onto each other. That's exactly where my head went. It's two Italians, yeah, two Italian defenders, and obviously one's a goalkeeper, yeah. but it's two Italian defenders embracing doing something really good defensively. Yeah, and. But like the, there was, there were points where you could hear him shouting, and the defense was up by the halfway line. Like he's always doing it, and it's something that you don't necessarily hear from Wojciech Chesney. I'm not trying to drag Voj uh, here because, uh, for all I know, he has his own different methods that are, and they're usually just as effective. Because you know, I there isn't, you know, I don't think that much of a drop off between Chesney and, and Buffon, in the defense when Chesney is out there as opposed to Buffon. But, you know, it, it was certainly, it was certainly an example of the fact that he is, he is the ultimate of Senatori in that locker room. He is a huge leadership presence right now that on a team that it, that needs it because of the transition that it is going through. And as and as much as I love Chesney, and I think I do think that Chesney is an excellent goalkeeper. I really do think he's top ten in the world. All these people who keep on throwing reports out there to you know about people trying to replace. I have a I have a friend. I have a couple of friends in New York who are screaming for Donnarumma to replace him, and I'm just like Donnarumma is not as good as you think he is. And that's and we can spend that money on a lot of other things that are problems that are well before, you know, Chesney, that, that experience, that leadership that Buffon had in this game. I wonder if we have the same result, if Chesney is in goal in that particular game. I I really do think that Pirlo went really heavy on European experience in this starting lineup. And I think Buffon being out there is one of the reasons why. Yeah, I, I really don't have anything to add other I mean, you you guys said everything everything that needed to be said. The only weird thing to me was having him out there in a big Champions League match and not him not being the captain. 
like I get why not like I get he didn't want it I get you know they have a, a whole whole thing he left he didn't want to be captain I know but like I mean I, it feels <laughs> to me like you can make a one-time exception type of deal and and just you know be, because it did feel a little bit weird but outside of that I think I, I agree 100% with everything you guys said I mean have him as your backup is is huge in so many ways and and he definitely showed it showed it yesterday for sure so i'll throw it right back to you sergio what does the mexico international have to say about the united states international it, it brings me it's the weirdest thing because <laughs> i because right now the, the mood for, for the mexican fan is to constantly underplay and and just say like oh yeah you have a lot of americans in europe but like whatever they're not good or what like we're, we're quietly not as confident as we sound and it's like oh yeah they have a lot of guys in europe but they don't play or they're not as good or they're not like as key or whatever but like what mckinney did yesterday was you know being on the field on a juventus barcelona matchup in champion league and arguably be the best player out there and that's not something that many guys can do or that many guys can say that they have done and and honestly, I'm just I'm just really really impressed with the way he's he's been playing as of late. I think, you know, I think I was one of the many people that wasn't really familiar with him before he became a Juventus player. I thought he was a nice depth signing. I thought you know he could you know bring in some some much needed you know fresh legs to the team. But I really didn't think he would be starting this often and he would be playing the way he's been playing. I mean, it's really it, it's it's been really great to see. I mean, it's been one of those definitely pleasing surprises of the season so far i think right now i think for me it's either him or adrian rabiot for the kind of like the myth that you need to have at all times so just just a really good good season for him so far a really good game the, the one thing is that once they're in the national team they all turn bad they, they can't play together they're, i mean <laughs> have fun being like losing the gold cup final again like that's just going to happen that's just what happens <laughs> you just can't help yourself, can you, Sergio? You can, you can. <laughs> I mean, Daddy. I mean, I mean, it's going to happen. It's happening. I mean, it's what, what's funny. What's funny is that both Danny and I are not particularly upset by any of this because you and I both care more about the Italian national team than the U.S. men's national team from an international standpoint. Biased Americans. <laughs> Listen, I don't blame you. Like, the, the United States national, <laughs> national team sucks. Like, they've always sucked, and <laughs> they will continue to suck. It, it's a thing. <laughs> I will repeat, I am not even slightly as confident as I sound, by the way. But if we don't have, like, false bravado, we have nothing. So... Just just imagine what it would have been like if Juventus actually did sign Raul Jimenez this past summer, what Sergio would be like. It'd be oh, gosh. Complete, it could be a complete 180 from, from what he's saying about Weston McKinney. Is Jimenez or, what he's awake, saying about, or what he's saying about the U.S. national team, I should say. Is Jimenez awake after that shot he took to the head the other yeah, day? That he was, he that might day. not have broken his call if he was a Juventus player, yeah. which was tough for him. But, yeah, I think he's, he's like, out of, out of surgery now and, like, recovering at his home, so... You know, Yeesh. it was it was averted, but it was it was bad. Yeah, that yeah that that, that yeah. looked terrible. I mean, I yeah. that that sound. I, I didn't mean to make that sound as flip as it sounded because that was awful. But yeah, no, yeah. that's I mean, a broken skull is is no yeah. joke. That's that's tough. I mentioned that we'll get to McKinney and some Twitter questions, but I just want to say the 
just want to touch on one thing before. I mean, we've got a lot of Twitter questions, so we can we can get to them after after this part. Just kind of the the attitude he brings. I mean, we, we've been talking about this team lacking, you know, some green dust, some 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 attitude, some some kind of just some some rough kind of you know tough guys. And you know, you you look at say you know the the Manzukic's of the past, the Licksteiners of the past, and I mean. McKinney is definitely not kind of the, the Mandzukic grumpy fellow off the field. I mean, you look at the pictures that Juve posts on social media and he definitely seems like the jovial guy at training, but when he's on the field, that switch goes on. And I mean, he's, I mean, I remember the, uh, the article that Hunter wrote right after Juventus signed McKinney. And it was kind of just like, he's going to bring that Texas attitude with him. And it's really proving to be vital because you look at it and I mean, he is just hound. I mean, we, we mentioned it in all three of our articles after the game, he's just hounding people from minute one to minute 94. And, you know, Juventus need a guy like that. And especially in a game like this one where they're going to do, where they did a lot of defending and they knew they would be, they would be doing a lot of defending. I mean, he's, he's perfectly adapt to doing just that, isn't he? And not only that, I, I think we knew we, he could bring that, and, and he's been tremendous at doing that. But to me, what's been most impressive as of late and what was key in the Barcelona game was those runs he's doing now into the box to get himself in scoring positions. That's something that, again, Juventus did not have. They did not have that guy probably since Sami Kedira stopped being like an effective you know, day-to-day player. He, because he Words is right out of my mouth. Just like... You know, he has those type of dangerous runs, and we just didn't have a guy like that. And McKinney has been doing that. Now, granted, it's been two or three games, so he needs to keep it going. But if he can continue to do that, if that's like a new wrinkle that he has now, I mean, he's, he, you know, he has to start now. Like, he, he has definitely gained a, a spot in the starting 11. Yeah, that, the, like you said, the, it, it hasn't been since Sammy was a, a healthy, functioning footballer that those kind of midfield surges, the things that Arturo Vidal would always do, uh, the ones that Pogba would always do. Marquisio um, too. And Marquisio. Uh, you know, the, the, that, that's what made that, that midfield around Pirlo the best in the world uh, when that year that we went to Berlin. Um, and that, that just hasn't been a thing. I mean, I think part, part of that, I think, has to do with, you know, last year, I don't think that's as big a thing for Saudi as as it is in a lot of other systems. But now we are seeing McKinney do that and really get through. And Rabio also to a to a smaller extent. But what makes McKinney doing it different than Rabio doing it is that McKinney is a freaking tank with his head. Like that's one of the things that you uh, when you look at his footage from Schalke is and what you saw against Torino, like his header is thunderous. Like it's up there with Ronaldo as probably one of the best in Italy right now. And, you know, if he gets up and gets his head to the ball, it's going to be a dangerous thing. Whereas Rabio, sure, he can do it, but not like that. Shall we go to Twitter questions, gentlemen? Feed sure. us. Feed right. us. Sergio might know this one's coming, but at from at Cuenca underscore Nicole, this is not a question, but congratulations to Sergio, since he will be enjoying his new Juve jersey, thanks to my poor betting skills. And in case you are out of the loop, 
that certain Twitter user is Mrs. Sergio Romero. So Sergio, get on your pedestal and brag about your new Juventus jersey that is on its way. Yes, that was... <laughs> I always believed. I never wavered on that, that they would come to group. I, mean, I, I believe. No, I obviously wavered like I think most of us did. But if I am going to take a little bit of a victory lap, I, I do think that the first time we talked about it, I was the one that said, okay, we might have a shot. And I will agree this was lucky because no one expected this. I was very much ready to lose that bet. And at the end of the day, they didn't, which I'm very happy about. But, but yeah, I will enjoy that, that Juventus jersey. I will, I will see it tomorrow. I don't know which one it is. She, she bought it, but I, I don't really know the details so far. But I will report back on, on which one it is. What I will say is that I will get, I will get it stamped with the Licht's name. I think that's, that's fair. Once Mexico actually gets it together and actually starts getting the the new printing into the Adidas store, which has been a whole thing. But other than that, I think he, he deserves it. I think he, he's my favorite player right now in the squad. He's so good. As a owner of a Delict jersey, and you guys saw I was wearing it a couple weeks ago when we recorded, that is definitely a good way to go. He, he's going to be the one guy who's decidedly not like a longtime Juventus player or like a guy who's had big moments or whatever that I'm, I feel confident that I will not regret getting because i mean he's just so good and i mean you know who knows but i hope he stays for a long time and i think there's a big chance that he will so i'm 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 hopeful that i will not regret that decision yes as i think we said it a few weeks ago give him all of the money all of it all right from longtime twitter follower caleb at caleb turrentine who has been the most important player in our turn of form? And I assume that means the Barcelona game most first and foremost. And why is it Weston McKinney? Because Weston McKinney is doing work. <laughs> That's why. You know, we've been talking all about, and also we've been talking about, you know, everything, everything about Weston McKinney, except that goal yesterday. Yeah. Like <laughs> he was parallel to the ground when he hit that thing. Yeah. With like a like a Booker T scissors kick, like that was bring like out, that bring was out the old school wrestling fan of me. Saying. Oh yeah, <laughs> like that was great, and 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 also not the kind of a technique move that you expected out of McKenny because he's you know that's not necessarily his game, but man was that was that special, and I think he's just. I think he's really locked in. I think, you know, like you said, like you said, Danny, I think he, he has this desire to go in. I think, you know, as excited as a lot of people were for him coming in, I, I think that, you know, he probably saw a couple of the people who were like, Oh, he's not Juventus material. He, he doesn't belong on a big, you know, on a, on a big club. And I, I'm sure he saw some of that and I'm sure that's on his bulletin board at home. And, and there's, there's just, there is a desire to, to do, to prove that. And I think, you know, if he, if he ends up being that kind of a midfield engine, you know, the, the, the Gattuso or Davids to the more technical players in the midfield, that's going to be a really, really, 
that that takes our that takes our midfield and the team into an into another into another gear. Yeah, I, I think everything that Sam said and everything we've said already. I, I think he really is locked in. He really is at times definitely carrying the load of of this team and the the fact that they got him for pretty much nothing is looking like a pretty thrifty thrifty piece of business there but you know aside from him i'd also like to give you know quick shout out to the aforementioned delict and also the much maligned at times leo bonucci who you know played scored the winning goal against torino and played overall really well against barcelona i think this should be kind of like a shared thing because the, the defending we saw against barcelona was truly it was great like it was really really good they soaked up the pressure and outside of a couple chances here and there like the lift actually flubbed a couple ones and and the, the pk that that definitely was a foul but because it was an offside we kind of got bailed out a little bit there uh but it was a foul and it it would have been on the lake like he didn't have his best game but collectively as a unit i thought they really defended really well and, and it brought back some flashbacks of that quarterfinal in, in 2017 when that was very much the plan. It was like, let's score, let's go ahead and then just defend. And they were really good at that. And it brought back some flashes of that. You had shots, you had chances, but nothing like way too clear. Like all, we, were, we were talking about Buffon and all the saves he had to make and all the, pa- the parries he had to make, they were not particularly hard saves. I mean, he was good at them. He, he handled them the way he had to. But they, they were not particularly hard because the, the defense really allowed very little to Barcelona, which, you know, again, say what you will about them, but it is a team with Antoine Griezmann and Lionel Messi on it. That's going to be a difficult team to stop. And, and they did. So I think that's, that's a little bit of something we were missing with like a stout defensive backline. And, you know, I think that they also deserve a, a shout out to us of who has really been you know, integral in, in this part of, of, of the season. From at JF Morataya, how do you feel about the Ramsey performance? To me, it was very encouraging. And speaking of guys who had very good games, Aaron Ramsey, I think Sam mentioned it in his, his match recap, maybe his best game since the Sampdoria opener, where he was really crucial on both, both ends of the equation. Yeah, I don't think there's I don't think there's a maybe about it. It is easily the best game that he's played since that Sampdoria opener and and one of the maybe may two or three best games he's ever played in the Juve shirt over the last season and a third, I'd say. But we need to see it more. You know, we we saw Ramsey, you know, in that Sampdoria game playing out of his mind. And then the next week against Roma, he was an afterthought and, you know, he had no impact on the game. And that's been, that's been a lot of the problem with him overall is that, you know, when he's, and also the other thing is goodness, is he going to stay healthy? You know, if he, if he keeps on pulling, pulling out things like this, it's going to be really useful. I I don't want to say it's an encouraging sign yet because it's because one isn't a trend. Like if he co- if he go, were to go out against Genoa and do that again, then maybe I'd start saying it. But I I want to see it again from him. Yeah, agreed, hundred percent. I don't have much more to add than that. I mean, he was great. That second goal doesn't happen without him. He really 
does a great job at what he's supposed to do, you know, make make that transition from midfield to the attack. I mean, he was exactly what we brought him in to do. But we still have to see see more of him because, you know, again, I'm just this is purely wishful thinking. But if you get a guy like that day in, day out, if he stays healthy, I mean, that just brings so many different things to the table for this Juventus team. And, and yeah, I was really happy to see him play well, but we definitely need to see it much more often to really start thinking that he will move the needle long term. You can really tell that Pirlo is a believer in his abilities because it seems like the last two, three weeks especially, Pirlo has been making it a point to really heap praise on Ramsey during his pre-match press conferences. I mean, I don't know if there has been a press conference before a game where Pirlo hasn't said something about Ramsey's qualities. And, you know, obviously that I would think with the way he had been playing prior to Barcelona, that's kind of part of the plan to, you know, gas him up a little bit and get the confidence going again. And I mean, Pirlo's faith was repaid against Barcelona on, on Tuesday. Cause I mean, he's like, like we said, he played a big, big role in that second goal. And I mean, overall on both sides of the ball, he was, he was really contributing well. Now let's get him to gas up Dybala the same way, and then we'll be really cooking. <laughs> yeah, Paulo was having fun on the bench with 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 Pinso, so you can't can't complain. Fun with Kuman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the whole bench was having fun with Kuman during that that certain moment in the game. Speaking of Mister Dybala from at Rabi Debot with Keza and Dybala not starting against Barcelona, did this bring a more hard hardworking Juve? Can we call what we saw against Barca some sort of starting 11? And I think the intention behind that is some sort of consistent starting 11. Yeah, I think what we saw against Barcelona worked really well for what it needed to do. I'm sure that, you know, once the schedule changes and you play, for example, Genoa or like a lower table team, I'm sure he will, Andrea Pirlo will try to be more aggressive, put more, you know, attacking minded guys out there. But I wouldn't mind seeing this this starting lineup, you know, much more consistently. I think it's well-balanced. I think it works well. I think we saw a team that knew how to do, like Sam said at the beginning. I wouldn't mind it if this was kind of like the, the blueprint to follow for the remainder of the season. However, I do think I, – I don't get this, like, because it's so big, right, like hardworking. I don't think that Chiesa or Dybala don't work hard when they're on the pitch. It's just that the, their qualities are, are different. We had guys that are more of grinder type of guys and Dybala and Chiesa, that's just not necessarily their, their game. But, but if this is what we get as the blueprint moving forward with tweaks here and there, you know, depending on the rival or depending on who is fit or who is suspended, for example, I'm sure we will see Dybala line up against Genoa thanks to the you know, to the suspension of Morata that I think is this game and the next one. I, I, I Just this game. Just this game, right? He already served one. Yeah, He already served one. Game. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll probably see Ronaldo and, and Dybala up top. So, I think those tweaks will happen. But if this is some sort of blueprint of what we can continue to see, I, I wouldn't mind it that much. Though, it's going to be a, a crunch for, for playing time, that's for sure. I think what the very first thing you said, Sergio, I think hit it on the head for yesterday. It was the lineup that needed to, that it was the lineup for that game. 
that was going to get the job done. And I think if Pirlo is, I, I think Pirlo can flex and will flex to the demands of, of a game. I mean, I don't think we're going to see a steady starting 11 for a while, just because the way that the, the pace of these games is going to necessitate rotation and rest. So there's going to be a lot of tweaking, a lot of guys in and out, but I mean, for certainly for, you know, a big, you know, a bigger champions league game, something like that, this is probably, I I would say right now, this might be where Pirlo is going to want to, the first whale Pirlo is going to want to draw from. And, you know, I I also think, you know, I think I said this in my recap, you know, had the game not been three nil by the 55th minute, we would have seen certainly Chiesa, I think certainly Kulusevsky, maybe Dybala a lot earlier to, you know, to try to take advantage of that counterattack. You said it in yours, Danny, that you were surprised yeah. that Kulusevsky wasn't out there. I think the reason Kulusevsky wasn't out there was just because we had the score that we needed by that point. But I think that, you know, if it was still 2-0 or, or 1-0, you know, heading towards the hour, I think a guy like Kulusevsky for his power on the counter would have been out there. So, you know, it's, it, it really, I think, is going to depend – on the situation and how things go. And I think that's the biggest difference so far this year between Pirlo and Sadi last year is that Sadi was going to play Sadismo and you were going to like it. And, you know, eventually it would work. Whereas Pirlo is looking at, Pirlo looks at the situation and goes, okay, here's this guy, here's this guy, this guy, this guy that are going to achieve this specific thing in this specific match that will bring us success. And he certainly showed that this yesterday. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw it and go all the way back to the Lazio win that or Lazio game that should have been a win. And that was a game where Pirlo set up his team to counterattack and it was working damn well for 93 and a half minutes. So, you know, that, I, I think that's, that's the thing that I think I mentioned it last week as well. That's the thing that gives me the most optimism about Pirlo is that he's showing that this team can adapt to different situations in terms of how they approach things. In terms of executing it, obviously that's still very much a work in progress. But the approach, the ideas are getting there. And it's just a matter of you know, this team really kind of taking, taking Pirlo's vision and, and running with it. So, so yeah, hopefully, you know, we see more of good vibes these next couple of weeks. Hopefully next week when you, we talk to you guys, we're in a, a pleasant mood like we are this week and, you know, a, a weekend result about against a potential relegation battler doesn't leave us grumpy. So thank you all for your Twitter questions. We had a, I made sure to <laughs> send out the, the tweet asking for some about five minutes uh, after the game was over. So obviously people were just as happy as we were to send in some Twitter questions, including Mrs. Mrs. Sergio Romero reminding us all about the bet that she just lost. So as always, you can send in those Twitter questions to us at Juventus Nation. As always, you can also follow us on Facebook, uh, search Black and White and Red All Over. 
in terms of finding us on Apple iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can also search Black and White and Red All Over. Uh, same goes for Spotify and Google Podcasts. A uh, quick shout out for Chuck's book officially released. He will be returning next week after exploring Mexico. A shout out to the Juventus women who nearly got a much deserved result against the best team in the so world, Leon. Uh, 88th minute winner, which just, I mean, you could tell it just crushed them after working their absolute tails off to, to try and get there. And uh, if you are missing Mario Mandzukic, like a lot of us are, feel free to watch the game that Lena Hurtig had, especially the goals to score, because it was very much Mandzukic-esque. So for Sam and for Sergio and for Chucks, like I said, who will be back next week. This is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. Stay safe out there, and we will talk to you guys next week.